Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's great to be here with you, and uh, thanks for reading, guys. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word to us uh, in Ephesians. Lord, we thank you for the truth that we can read. Uh, we pray now, Lord, as we hear you speak, that you would open our eyes to see your truth. You would open our hearts to believe it. Uh, Lord, so we might be equipped to serve you. And Father, we pray, do this work in us by the Holy Spirit and for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, as I was preparing this sermon, I uh, remembered a story of another preacher when he was preparing this sermon, and he didn't really know what to make of it. And so, you know, he was an assistant like me, so he asked his older, wiser senior minister um, to, uh, for a bit of help. Uh, he, said, he said, you know, what do we make of Ephesians chapter 6, he called out. And the senior minister called back from his office, we don't believe it. And that was all he needed to write his sermon. Right, do you believe what Paul is saying here? Did you, do you believe the things we read in Acts about the evil spirits? Like, do you think there are unseen spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms that are against God and against his people? Do you believe that? The Western culture that we have grown up in does not believe this. Uh, the world we have grown up in believes in what's called an imminent frame, where all there is is all we can see. There's nothing outside of the material universe this is it. But the Bible gives a different view. The Bible gives us what we might call the, the transcendent frame, where there are things that we cannot see, things in the spiritual realms. So there is God above and angels, and there are spiritual forces of evil below. Right? And they are the angels who rebelled against God along with Satan, uh, being cast out of heaven. And now they are continually fighting against God and his people. That's the picture that the Bible gives us. That's what we read about today in Ephesians. And this is how Paul wants to finish this letter to the Ephesians. And you might think, oh, that's a bit strange. Why does he go there? We've been talking about marriage. We've been talking about uh, families. We've been talking about work. Why do we go to the dark, evil, spiritual forces to finish up? I'll tell you why. It's because Paul knows that this is real, and it's a real struggle for God's people. Uh, it's a struggle to love your wife, to submit to your husband, to uh, obey your parents if you are kids. It's a struggle. Uh, it's a struggle for the church to walk in love and to be united. It's a struggle for us individually to put off the old self and to put on the new self. And so if you feel like, yeah, I'm struggling a bit in some of those areas, then that's normal. Like That's a normal experience for Christians because uh, we're struggling against evil spiritual forces. They are doing everything in their power to destroy our faith. And so how are you going to stand? How are we going to stand? And how are we going to keep standing to the very end, to the day we stand before Christ and be saved? How are we going to do that? Well, that's what Paul's talking about here. That's what he shows us. Uh, this is the conclusion to Ephesians. Uh, I'm a sports guy. I like to think of it like it is the, you know, the last thing the coach says before he sends the team out onto the field. Or if you're thinking in army terms like we are today, it's like the general 
the last command to his troops before sending them out into battle. So after all that's been said in Ephesians, here's the final word from Paul. Be strong in the Lord by putting on the armour of God and praying in the Spirit. And so we'll go through looking at those three things. If you've got your Bibles, please have them open. Great thing to be doing. And we're beginning there in verse 10. So Paul begins here, or finishes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So notice there straight away, we're told to be strong, but it's not strength in ourselves and you know, to find the power within, like you might hear in our culture today. It's, it's no, find strength in the Lord, in his mighty power. It's a strength that is outside of you, that is in him. And why do we need this strength? Well, we need this strength because we are weak and our enemy is strong. Have a look how he goes on in verse 12 here. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, or things we can see, you know, people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Right, so if we try and take on the evil uh, forces in our own strength, we'll be just like those guys in Acts who tried to cast out uh, evil spirits in, in the name of Paul's God. What happened to them? They were running away naked and bloodied. Right? They lost that fight. Right? You know you've lost. If you lose your clothes in a fight, you lost the fight. Okay? And so they're running away. And that is, that is our strength against evil spirits. And Paul's purpose here, it's, it's not to scare them and to sort of make them you know, worried about these things. He wants to say they are powerful, but Jesus is more powerful. Because this is not the first time Paul has mentioned the heavenly realms. Like he said it a number of times through Ephesians, and, and he's making a comparison here between their power and Jesus' power. So have a look here. We'll go back to Ephesians chapter 1. You can flick there. It'll be on the screen. This is when Paul is praying for them. And he's talking about God's power that is at work in us through Jesus. Let's have a look there. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. Right, so Christ there is pictured as raised and seated in the heavenly realms and he's above all other powers. Okay, this is a power comparison. Okay, it, it made me think of Crocodile Dundee. That's not a knife. This is a knife. Okay, and then the guy runs away scared. Right? Jesus' power is so much greater than the powers of the evil spirits in the heavenly realms. He rules over them. And then in chapter 2, we see how we are involved in the heavenly realms. So chapter 2, verse 6 says that God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. So when someone is saved, uh, they are united with Christ and we are with him where he is in the heavenly realms, seated with him, with his power at work in us today. So this is what we need to understand as we think about the world we live in and, and the evil forces is that Jesus has won a decisive victory over Satan and evil. 
Right? And his people, those who believe in him, are safe and secure in his power. Absolutely safe. But we must still be alert because uh, Satan uh, is still powerful, still dangerous, even though he's been defeated. It's kind of like you see those crocodiles that have their mouths sort of roped shut, but they can still thrash around like crazy. And so you need to be careful. Right? It's still a danger, even though it's been defeated. And so what do we need to do? We need to be alert and watchful, right? confident in Jesus' victory, but standing in the strength of him and his power, not our own. And then how do we do that? Well, that's what putting on the armour of God is about. Uh, we, we stand in his strength by putting on the armour of God. Uh, and what a great passage this is, fantastic. Um, very easy to take out of context and just think it's just this cool thing that's here but has nothing to do with the rest of the letter. Um, It's got everything to do with what's gone before it. The pieces of armour here are really reminders of the gospel that Paul's been talking about. And putting them on means to believe them right, and to live, live according to them. Believe the gospel and live the gospel. That's what this is getting at. So we'll go through each of them just because it is, it is an encouragement and it is a good reminder and I want it to stick with you. Uh, so we'll go through them briefly. But the first is the belt of truth buckled round your waist. So the belt like kind of gathered all the garments together so you could run and be in the action. Uh, and Paul says this is a belt of truth for the Christian. Right? The gospel message is a message of truth. And Paul's been talking about that, particularly in chapters 1 to 3. The truth is that God God plans to unite all things in Christ, uh, in heaven and on earth. Uh, That is what he is doing. And and that includes us. And when you know the truth, it just opens your eyes to reality. It prepares you for action. You're not someone who's going to be caught unaware, like sleeping in their bed and the trumpet sounds, you've got to get up and get ready. No, you are already ready because you know the truth, so you won't be caught unaware. The second here is the breastplate of righteousness in place. Uh, You can see it there, it's the metal covering over the chest, uh, guarding you, it's your main piece of protection. And this here is, for the Christian, a breastplate of righteousness. This is talking about the way we respond to the gospel. So you know the truth, uh, you respond to the truth by living according to it. Uh, And you live righteously or you live rightly and in holiness uh, the way that God wants you to live all right it's about putting off the old self putting on the new self becoming like Christ and the, the way this can protect us is that as long as you're living the Christian life and, and and living like God wants you to you won't be living the old way you won't be doing the old stuff and so it will keep you from evil and sin And so we live in righteousness. And thirdly, the boots, uh, the feet fitted ready with the gospel of peace, the strong leather boot of the soldier. Now this is about standing firm, right? Holding your ground. And we stand firm in the gospel of peace. Jesus has won that peace for us, peace with God, peace with one another. We stand in that. Uh, But these boots are not just made for standing. These boots are made for walking as well, okay? Do we know that reference? Sorry, young people. Um, I can't believe I know it. Anyway, these boots are made for walking, 
Right? It's not just peace for us, but it's peace for our world. Right? How many people do we know that are still under the power of Satan, that are still blinded by his influence? Well, God sends his troops out with the gospel of peace. Right? He sends us out uh, to speak this message, to save them, so they too can be reconciled to God. Uh, we also take up the shield of faith to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You can see the shield there. It's the rectangular shield. Um, but this is what the Romans would do with these things. They would uh, put them together and form this kind of uh, this shape called the testudo, which is a turtle, right? This really strong, protective unit. Uh, and when the enemy would fire the flaming arrows, they would do nothing to them and they could keep advancing. Right, this is the shield of faith. And, and this is something that's been so wonderful about Ephesians uh, that we've been, been reminded of over and over again is that the Christian life is not something that you do alone. Right, when Paul says you and, and you take this up, uh, it's a plural. Right? It's, it's y'all or it's the Western Sydney yous, yous guys. Okay, we, we take it up together. So it's, it's, it's y'all can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Right? The, the church is meant to be united. Uh, the devil would, would love nothing more than to divide the church so he can pick them off one by one with the flaming arrows. Right? And so we stand together in the faith of the gospel. And the way we can do that, the way you can do that for me, the way I can do that for you, is that we believe the gospel, but we speak it to one another as well, as if we believe it. Right, and we stand in it together. Okay, last two. Take the helmet of salvation. Uh, helmet goes on your head, kids. You know, wear a helmet when you ride your bike. Very important. Brain is important. Uh, the helmet is important. Uh, it's a helmet of salvation. Right, and, and this is talking about the sure and certain hope of salvation that we have through the gospel. Right, put that on your head like a helmet. Right, because you know, if, if salvation were up to us, up to our cleverness or our strength or our goodness, I wouldn't be sure of salvation. I would be worried. But because it depends upon God and it comes to me as a gift by his grace, I can be sure and you can be sure. Uh, he is not going to change his mind. Uh, we are saved by grace through faith. Uh, wear that truth like a helmet. Let it guard your mind from all the fears and all the doubts that can creep in. Let it guard you from that. If you believe in Jesus, you will be saved. And finally, we take up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Uh, you'll notice here, everything else has been for defence. The sword is for attack. Uh, it's your weapon. Uh, and here it's, it's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. So... We could, we could simplify that to say it's the word of God that you have in your Bible, uh, God's truth. And we take up the sword, we take it up and use it by, yeah, knowing our Bibles, but believing it as well, uh, believing the truth of it. Uh, there's a great example in the Gospels of Jesus doing this when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness 40 days. Uh, Satan would come at him with lies and Jesus would fight back with the word, with the truth. Right? Jesus three times said, it is written. Right? Jesus believed the word of God and he used it to fight off temptation and to keep himself from sin. And we can do that too. Uh, defend yourself. 
Know your Bible. Believe your Bible. You know, I feel sometimes, you know, we go to pull out the sword to defend ourselves and it's like just the handle. Like, where's my sword? Right? We need to know the word of God, believe the word of God, protect ourselves against the lies of Satan. Right? So there is the armor of God. Right? This is how we be strong in the Lord. This is how we stand firm against the devil and his schemes. Put on the armor of God. Right? If I could summarize it for us to make it really simple... It's basically hearing the gospel, believing the gospel, and then living a life that is worthy of the gospel, which is what we've been looking at all through Ephesians. But here we have a wonderful picture to take with us, uh, to be encouraged by and remember and live according to. Okay, the second way there to be strong in the Lord is, is a major way, big way, praying in the Spirit. And so prayer here, interesting, it's not just like another piece of armour that, that is there, um, but it's, it's more the attitude of the Christian soldier. It, it goes over everything and through everything. And, and, and really, it's the attitude of someone who knows they're in a war, okay, someone who knows uh, that the spiritual battle is going on here, right, someone who knows the gospel, someone who knows, yeah, heaven and hell are real. Someone who knows that time is very short before Jesus returns. The only way to be saved is by believing the gospel. Someone who also knows that we are really weak. The enemy is very strong, but God is stronger. But a person that knows that is a person who prays. And they pray a lot. They have an attitude that is prayerful. And so we see that Paul describes that here, uh, which we'll look at together in verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So you can see there there's four alls that uh, Paul points out uh, that really shows us the kind of attitude of prayer that we want to have. Uh, so the first one there is to pray on all occasions. Right? And we do this because the war is happening all the time. So there's always a reason to be praying. Right, they don't have to be long prayers. Right, they can just be prayers like, thank you, God, for the gospel. Uh, keep me from sin today or now. Uh, help me to speak to this person, have a good conversation. Right, cultivate an attitude where you are just praying often throughout your day. Uh, you know, the, the preacher says this, but does he do it, right? I'm very bad at this. I have reminders in my phone telling me to pray. Right? My phone helps me, it says pray. I often listen to it. Um, but that is a good way to do it. The second one there is pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. So like, we need to be people, Christians need to cultivate a very needy attitude. Okay, I know that sounds bad in our ears. Being needy doesn't sound good. Christians, being needy is a great thing. Be needy. Keep asking God for stuff. Keep uh, nagging him for things. Because we need that help. So pray with all kinds of prayers and requests and God promises to supply everything we need. So pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. And then the third one is always keep on praying. Uh, and, and that all is, is pray with all perseverance. All perseverance. Uh, so we need to cultivate a persevering attitude in prayer. Um, like think of it like this, like it's, it's your turn on the lookout, okay? It's your few hours on the wall looking out for the enemy. 
that is not a time to fall asleep. That's not a time to rest. Right? And as Christians, that is our time. Uh, we are on watch. We are on lookout because the end is very near. It is not long until Jesus returns. Now is not the time to be sleeping, but persevering. So if you're finding prayer difficult, don't give up. Uh, renew your strength uh, in the truth we've been talking about today. And I love what, I love what Paul says at the end of Romans. Uh, he has this great promise. He says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. We have that promise. The end is near. Keep praying. And finally, pray for all the Lord's people. So pray for the church, right? Um, because the church is experiencing the exact same struggle that you are experiencing. They need your prayers as well. Right? People right here in this room, sitting next to you, need you to pray for them. I need you to pray for me. I need to pray for you. Uh, pray for all the Lord's people. And Paul's given us great examples. You know, what do I pray for people? Right? Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3. Great prayers to pray for God's people. He gives us another one here in verse 19. Another great thing to be praying. Now, Paul asks for prayer. He says, pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Right? Paul's a guy that knows reality. Right? He knows where he is living and the time he's living in. And what does he pray for? He prays for his personal evangelism. He prays that he would be able to speak the gospel clearly and fearlessly. Right, what a great thing to pray for. Right, Paul knows what to pray for. He knows the things that matter. And don't hear me wrong, it is good to pray for all kinds of things, right? all kinds of sicknesses and other things like that, and we need God's help in that, but don't neglect praying for the eternal things. The things are going to last forever, right? People believing. Right, so pray that people would hear the gospel. Right? Pray they would repent and believe in Jesus for that new life. But also pray, once those people do believe, pray they would stand firm in the gospel, that they would not give up, that they would put on the armour of God, that they would pray in the spirit. Uh, those are the kind of things to be praying for for yourself and for others in the church. So here we are at the end of Ephesians. Anyone a bit sad? I'm a bit sad. We're, we're coming to the end. Uh, and, and how does Paul leave us, though? Paul leaves the church and us with a call to arms. Right? It's the picture of a soldier standing firm in the strength of the Lord with all prayer. Now, that's what a Christian is. And so, you know, I imagine, you know, why did Paul sort of finish this way? Why did he do this? Well, I think... I think it's so the Ephesians would take it home with them. Right? They weren't like us. They didn't have their Bibles there opened and they could take that home and read it. Right? They, they heard the letter and they're about to leave, go out into the world. And Paul leaves them with this image of the soldier that they can take with them. Right? They can think about these things. They can pray about these things. Right? Right? Paul the pastor wants them to live a life worthy of the gospel. Right? So as we come to the end of Ephesians... Can I say the same to us? Would you take Ephesians with you? Uh, not just in your hand, but take it in your heart. Uh, would you be someone who praises the great God of grace who has saved us? 
uh, and someone who is living a life worthy of the gospel. Uh, Take it with you when you leave today. And uh, because I couldn't think of a better way to finish, I think this is a great way to finish. Uh, The words of Paul, right at the end of this letter, uh, spoken to the Ephesians, uh, but written for us. And so would you be encouraged by these final words as we close? Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen.